Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to Sharpen the Point. I'm Brian Pellerin here with Chris Tindall. It's our 10th episode. Can you believe it? A little bit of celebration for us. Episode 10, Chris? I feel good about that. I'm surprised we made it this far, but I'm happy to report we're doing well. Yeah, and we are doing well. It's uh, it's week nine of the season, and we're, and we're still, we got a pretty good amount of listeners for our first time pod this season. Uh, appreciate y'all jumping on. I know a lot of you are, are coming from TomahawkNation.com, where you can find our, our article for this in case you are one of those new listeners. We are a college football game and DFS picks podcast. We'll look at what went right, what went wrong the week before, kind of give you our thoughts on the season overall um, and what to kind of keep in mind, I guess, going forward, kind of what we learned and, and what we're looking at, what lineups we're looking to play. Mostly DraftKings is uh, main slate play, but uh, we talked a little Heisman last week and I want to touch on that in a second too. Remember, if you are betting or playing these picks, do so responsibly, follow your our, our picks at your own risk. Uh, before we get to what went right, what went wrong on our DFS slate, I do actually want to first, um, Chris, you made the point and you wanted to talk about it last week, the Heisman race, because Michael Penix was a, a large favorite, minus almost 200, I believe, and everyone else was plus 1,000. Uh, those numbers look drastically different this week. Um, I believe Jordan Travis, who was at around plus 1,400, is like maybe third at like around the plus three to 400 range as opposed to 1400. Uh, Jaden Daniels for same thing for around plus 16 to down around that same plus 300 range. Uh, obviously Drake may took a nice fall, but uh, I think JJ McCarthy's the current favorite and giving, given what's happening at Michigan, I have a hard time believing the voters are going to go, you know what? That feels legitimate. Um, so if you got in last week, good going, that was a, that was a good idea. My favorite hasn't lost yet, and you still didn't mention him. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep the disrespect in there. And he he survived last week. He survived a scare. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But yeah, the Heisman odds they they looked right for the picking last week, and clearly they were because the odds shifted heavy after last week. Yeah, a huge change over there at DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, I'm trying to pull up the current numbers for this week, but I'm in Florida, so my phone every once in a while will be like, "Oh my God, you're not, you don't live in this state. Got of here," and, and I gotta find my way around it. But I've got it. Uh, yeah, so McCarthy's plus two forty. Penix is second at plus three twenty. Um, so if you were dumb and took him last week for some reason, I don't, I don't know why you did that. Uh, Jaden Daniels at plus three forty. Then Dylan Gabriel at eleven hundred, and Jordan Travis at eleven hundred. So. Um, you can still get value on on Travis if you're interested. You can still get value on Gabriel. You can still get value. Bo Nix is 1300 And I told you last weekend, the only other guy I was moderately interested is Maserati Marv. <laughs> we heard it all weekend. That's all we heard. Yeah, because, I, I mean, you look at the rest of the list. I mean, Carson Beckett plus 3500 I don't think he's winning. Um, uh, unless Georgia's the only undefeated team standing at the end of this and – Everyone just looks around and goes, I don't know what to do with this. I guess we give it to him. Uh, I don't see that. And then Drake May is plus 5,500. I, I guess if they ran the table, maybe. But his his numbers, I doubt, will look that good. Um, now after that, you're getting into Milrow, Caleb Williams, Corum. You, you can't lose to Virginia. <laughs> no, you can't You can't have a loss to Virginia on your Heisman resume. I just don't see it as a possibility. That's a – whatever the opposite of a Heisman is, that's that's the opposite of that moment. The opposite of the Heisman moment, the, yeah. the face palm moment. Uh, what's the what's the award named after for the Mr. Irrelevant? That's that kind of moment. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I hope you jumped in there. If you if you didn't, you still have an opportunity if you're interested in Travis. I know a lot of you are Florida State fans. Um, he, he's available still, plus 1,100. 
you mentioned Gabriel, you know, you can probably take a couple of those guys and have a real, real shot at it. I do continue to push that. I, I feel like Jaden Daniels numbers are absolutely absurd. And um, I hope you got in last week because he's, he's like a thousand yards clear of like anyone else in this conversation. How does he get a boost of like a plus a thousand on a game against the army though? Yeah. And he only played like half the game. I don't think he played the second half. I, I don't have no idea. That's ridiculous. But his, I guess someone finally looked up and was like, wow, he's almost got like 3,500 total yard. That seems like a lot. Like, yeah, yeah, he really, he didn't stat pad that much last week. It, it was funny part was his neighbors came in and got a touchdown. Like they had this, the ones out there with uh, Nussmeyer. Yeah. They were running the backup quarterback and still putting up points. It's just, it's an easy, it's, it's, it's the offense there just scores. It's just what it is. And he's leading that charge. Um, in terms of the rest of what we learned last weekend, DFS, what you got? I, I know I kind of struggled. I mentioned before we started the one lineup I had was kind of around that UCF Oklahoma game. I felt like I had a lot of parts and pieces that were good and just didn't piece them all together. It's like the puzzle just didn't fit together. Uh, so like Gabriel was fine, but there was some better plays around him. Uh, Rourke, Rourke was good. I was actually uh, very happy with that. I looked back and I remembered because uh, I was checking his game logs. I literally played him last year in that exact same game against that exact same team in Western Michigan and game stacked that and, and brought it back. I should have done it this year because the bring back in the in the stack partner were would have been Wiggless and he went off. And then the bring back would have been Womack and he went off. So if I would have done what I did last year, this year, it would have worked out great. Um, aside from that, Brooks from Texas was good. The problem was Ollie Gordon and Bucky Irving shoved it down my throat last week and destroyed me on both websites because everybody apparently that was the optimal on all the websites. So there went that. And then uh, Jared Brown actually started well, but that kind of killed my week. It ended up throwing me off once uh, Leno was was out. Like once he was out, I, I the quarterback for UAB, it just killed me. It, it it destroyed that game stack I liked. I couldn't trust it anymore. So then you start moving around, and once you start moving pieces around and scrambling on a Saturday morning, you start making poor decision making, and that that kind of hurt. Um, but he was the Brown was good. He just wasn't as big as I expected. It, it, he made me nervous. Rock Taylor, terrible. Uh, he wasn't near as terrible as Blankumsey. Uh, he literally was a Blankumsey. Um, he got the donut. But Williams was real strong. Uh, he can't bounce back, had the 100-yard game, looked good. So that wasn't a terrible play. It's just mainly that game didn't shoot out, and that kind of killed what we were working towards. Yeah, I uh, I kind of called it like, well, we didn't have a terrible week, but um, like you said, we we kind of had the right pieces. It's just kind of the how well you put them together would be the difference makers for you. Um, hopefully, we get a little a little bit of putting the right pieces in the right place this week, and we get to that in a little bit. Uh, I did the picks fairly well last week, six and four, another above five hundred week for me. Uh, 43 and 44 overall. I was two and five in the week zero. So to me, I'm kind of like hedging like oh, 41 and 37 cents. But, you know, whatever. I picked those games. I'm counting them. So 43 and 44 overall. Hopefully this is the week I jump over it. Um, and I like to see what we kind of learned last week. What you you're got? S- you're still doing better than anybody that ESPN's trotted out to make picks on game day uh, in the last five years. Well, I saw Stanford Steve, I think last week had Army to cover against LSU. And I think LSU was covering like in the first half. He's like 14 and 30 on the year. Yeah, that's tough. It's, it's a tough better. game, especially in front of everyone like that. That's a tough spot to be in. I used to rag on the bear for his picks, you know, fade the bear. You're highly profitable. Now you fade Stanford Steve and you're even more profitable. That's the hardest thing, man. When you're going through all the production value of putting together a thing like this, picking games is hard because you got to do it early enough to create things. And then you're doing it on a national stage where everyone watches every pick you make. It's going to get in your head eventually, and you're just going to make bad choices. Yeah, I, 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 you're almost 500, though. I count. That's true. Zero. That's true. Um, so the first game last week, I wanted to talk about Penn State, Ohio State. I had Penn State plus four and a half. I wrote up last week and told you guys James Franklin does not win any big games. And yet I had such little confidence in Ohio State that I felt Penn State could probably lose by like three um 
if that scooping score stands, I probably feel like it does. Um, but it was a pretty clear holding to me in the secondary. So, duh, it shouldn't have. But, uh, boy, I thought both teams suck. Did you get the feeling that Singleton wasn't on the field enough when they needed big play potential? Because Catron Allen doesn't have that explosiveness. So they didn't, they weren't finding creative ways to get him in open space, it felt like, which would have been the ideal situation for him. And that would have been a big deal. Now, Lambert uh, KLS wasn't playing very good on the outside. He he kind of was getting targets, but he was never really open. Maybe that was a more an hour thing. He wasn't throwing him open. They just looked inept on offense. And that has some credit to do with Ohio State, but it also felt like they just weren't calling the right plays either to put themselves in proper situations and it also like they didn't want to score in some point like and i know it sounds stupid but it felt like they came in going hey guys this is going to be a low scoring grinded out football game and what we're going to do is protect the football and that's like okay that's fine but you're down 14 in the third could you try could could you go and they're like no no we came in to win a low scoring game like well you already gave that up you already blew the low scoring game how about you try getting the ball to some guys who were i mean aller said after the game he sucked and when they asked him how you know what would you see out there he was like well i suck so he went wrong he sucked i mean that was pretty much it yeah and then <laughs> oh maserati marv was i mean they couldn't even cover him i don't i don't understand what they were doing on offense or on defense yeah with penn state because the run game wasn't really ever going to be a threat in that situation. So how do you not press Marv with a corner and then just throw safety help over top and say, let's see your other guys beat us. Yeah. I, I, we talked about that being the strategy. Penn state would have the guys who could do that to Marv. And then they just did that. They just let him beat them. Uh, They mentioned Stover on the broadcast as the guy that Ohio state said had to be a big part of it. And he had a couple of important catches, but uh I mean, I would have rather him have had all the important catches than, you know, basically running one guy at Marv and then just grabbing him every chance you got. And you either gave up the play or you got the penalty that gave him a first down anyway. Yeah, and Stover, he's not an explosive player oh, necessarily. I mean, he didn't even have as good a game as he had in the previous four weeks. Like, he had a better game against Notre Dame than he had in the – you know, it's just they didn't make him – Notre Dame made – somebody else other than Marvin Harrison beat them and they they did but if they they didn't didn't I mean they really didn't it realistically they were they were at one play away four different times on that last drive and just couldn't get it done yeah so So, and it wasn't Marv that beat them yeah and I was surprised Penn State couldn't do it so I, I I just I don't know I took away that this was boring football if you root for either team I feel bad for you and I'm sorry I just I couldn't get myself to care it feels like Penn State's gonna have to move on from James Franklin at some point here because uh he's shown a bajillion times now that he can't get it done in the important games so how good can you just rely on well he recruits well I feel like you've got to do something at some point but that's probably a later conversation uh I was all over UCF plus 19 and a half last week in the damn near one. Um, I, I went with the basics philosophy of Oklahoma had a, a bye week to celebrate beating Texas. And it worked. I made a Stanford Steve-esque pick right there. You know, it was <laughs> never in doubt. Um, the biggest thing was Plumley ended up playing four quarters of football. Yeah. And that was a big deal. And playing from a lead early was really important to them. Yes, for sure. And it, it seemed like with uh, Tawee Walker, the Oklahoma running back was out and they were playing the backups. Major, not the most explosive, but a reliable running back. And Sawchuck ended up uh, hitting well at the end with that long touchdown run. But his gave, first drive was a disaster. Oh, it was awful. <laughs> I was pumped for it because I switched. I didn't trust Sawchuck, so I switched to a bunch of major and I was like, okay, that's perfect. Like, Sawchuck with a terrible drive, then Major played a ton, and he could just never get anything really rolling. It was more yeah. Sawchuck. So, you know, but it wasn't vintage Plumley, and that's kind of what makes me a little bit nervous this week. Plumley had nine carries for negative four yards. That makes me nervous. He had a long carry of 11. Makes me nervous. So I'm slightly concerned about where he's at health-wise and whether he's willing to take off and run like normal Plumley. Yeah. 
something to keep an eye on. Air Force uh, remains undefeated. They beat Navy. Uh, the line we had it for us was 11 and a half, and so Navy covered on their last-minute touchdown. I take that as a win, and I have nothing else to say about our Air Force. Do you? Uh, Michelle got plenty of carries, and the quarterback actually played. So I would have been more convinced on Air Force. So Air Force continues to be undefeated, though. Yeah, well, I mean, your JMU is probably the best on uh, Group of Five team, but they're not eligible because reasons. Stats don't even count, apparently. Yeah, apparently none of it counts, but whatever. Uh, Alabama makes the comeback against Tennessee and not only wins, but covers. Uh, They were down, I think, two scores at half, and they come back and they covered 10 because uh, Joe Milton and Tennessee are completely inept on offense. Tennessee fans were lighting the cigars at halftime, and they needed (laughs) to put them suckers out. (laughs) I I just... I don't know how good Alabama still is. It seems like their offensive line is still a problem. Um, I don't think Milrow remains anything quite that good. Um, but it, it, it for the last month, he's just made enough plays, which um, I, I heard this earlier this week from Spencer Hall, um, you know, a popular podcaster in the college football space was uh, Nick Saban is getting a chance to coach this year. And, and, um, you're kind of seeing it as the team gets better as the year goes along, as opposed to just rolling out a juggernaut. Um, and it almost seems more fun for him this way. Uh, yeah, I don't think he likes it. I mean, he <laughs> might, he might like it, but the fact of the matter is, is they lost and they've lost games and they, he, it's going to drive him insane. He despises when they make errors. He he hates, you know, he'll yell when they're up 60. But he likes so, to yell. Then. Yeah, he, he enjoys it. He doesn't like it quite as much as Bo Pelini did. You know, he well, like spawn out there. It was crazy. Think, the but, Bo, think Nebraska wants Bo Pelini back? Um, one word. I, yes mean, no. I mean, here's the question: Would they would they still be winning nine games a season for the last ten years? Probably, and yeah. Let go of him. You know, I think they'd go back. That's that reverts back to the question you asked on James Franklin. That's true. Would you rather have James Franklin back and win nine games? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that that's where you're at, and it just depends on what your university is and how you're playing, but. Also want to mention a uh, shout out Squirrel White, mm. all name team, and he had an all world first half. I had an amazing touchdown catch on the first drive. Yes, yeah, so great, great. Thank you. The one week I don't think we went on to Squirrel White. We've gone on him like every other week, but here we are. Uh, I gave you Auburn. I liked him against Ole Miss. They had a game late third. They had the ball at Ole Miss's forty with a chance to take the lead, and on second and ten they tried some dumbass double pass that ended up in like a 15 yard sack they punted and then judkins went like the length of the field just taking carries for jackson dart to do like a one yard touchdown run and cap off the drive and it was over at that point but um yeah yeah i i you, uh, auburn didn't have the horses but gave him a game and i just we know the dart game is coming right like and this was kind of one of those no, I I watched. I had to turn the game off for fear of wanting to throw up watching Jackson Dart succeed. He's bad. He kept scoring though, and that's he the kept thing. Doing he kept it. taking the touchdowns from Judkins, and it was like, bro. And I, I had a ton of Judkins, so I was just I was nauseated. I needed some beers. I needed more beer when I was watching it. It was terrible. I was watching this at the same time. My wife was went to Auburn, had this one on the TV while I had the Florida State game on my laptop. And I was just like, I kept looking up and I was like, God, this is gross. Um, I, I felt the Florida State game was equally as gross because Duke seems to have this superpower um, that every game they play is just going to be gross. Um, it was disgusting. Everyone talked about the Riley Leonard injury, whether or not that made a huge piece in this game. Uh, obviously, Florida State covered, so I gave you the winner there. I didn't think Leonard would play. He did. Then he left in the late third with an injury. Um, how much of a difference do you think it made? I've, I feel like I've given my opinion on this podcast network a thousand times, so I'll let you go first before I I, I divulge there. A fifty percent Riley Leonard still going to be better than Bellin, but like we said, like I said last week, his mobility, his lack of mobility is just going to destroy them. That's that is his secret weapon, is his mobility. So they are just. They're a solid football. They're like kind of like Penn State, I guess. They're just solid. They're great on defense. So that that's where it's interesting. Florida State looked good, 
but you know, there's still still questions about the run game for me. The run game is awful. We talked about it this week. The the run game at this point, you're seven games into the year. The run game has looked good in one, and it was against Southern Miss, who is abysmal. So well, at what point do you just say the run game just doesn't work? Was that which which game was it that uh Benson had what was it eleven for two hundred? Wasn't that wasn't that Virginia Tech? Virginia Tech. Yeah, it also yeah, looked good yeah. against Virginia Tech. He hit the so, two, he hit a sixty-five yard touchdown, an eighty yard touchdown, and otherwise he was fine. Margin yeah, nine for was that nine for sixty otherwise? Yeah. So that's marginal. Um Toa Feely came up big. You know, he makes big plays in those games where they're struggling on offense, it seems. Yep. That's kind of the his what he's done for his entire career. He just shows up big in a game where they're struggling. Well, so and, that and was him. And, and le- Bell, Jaheim Bell came up big. I thought he had a great game. Uh, that's going to be big. Is is? Do you have anything on Johnny Wilson playing I, this week? I imagine he won't. Um, I do want to quickly go back to the to the Riley Leonard situation I asked you about because I forgot to actually take the ball back and, and mention it before I go to Johnny. Is um, you know, Florida State fans keep saying like, "Well, look at his numbers. He didn't really do anything, right? Like he didn't." do my, like he didn't really look at his stats he wasn't really moving the ball in the situation he got hurt though um they didn't need him to do that much he just needed to finish off what was a four down at the goal line like if he could have gone in if he could have made it through those next four plays at the goal line and he would have given you a better chance than Bellin. and if he gets you a touchdown there then florida state's down 10 entering the fourth instead he doesn't florida state mat- marches the field after a fourth and goal turnover and basically kind of seals up that game at that point because it was like, okay, if they can't, like this is this is not gonna happen. Yeah, he um, just needs to manage the game at that point, which he can do in that situation. That's just I don't know. That's a tough situation because you get down around that goal line and the athletes on that Florida State defense are gonna out athlete the Duke offense. So that's where that's where the mobility of Leonard would have been key if he's mobile. He had one run that really looked good. Um, otherwise, he was fine, I thought. He had one run where I went like, okay, if he can do that twice, like that's it. And so they maybe needed one more at the goal line, really. But, um, you know, what matters is Florida State survived. Florida State wins the game, and that's that's really what it comes down to. Um. Johnny, Johnny Wilson. Wilson, by the way, looks like he will. Looks like they're gonna, they're, they're hopeful earlier this week he's going to suit up. I don't see anything recently on it. I don't. I don't have anything that I'm aware of right now. Um, I can check in and see if I. If I think I if something. anything, he's probably going to end up being limited, which leads us yeah. on Jaheim Bell being a fun play because he seems to be very involved at the moment. Yeah, I. I think the plan has always been to involve him more, and I, and I I and I I think. So people are putting Florida State on upset alert this week, but I, I don't, I don't. No, see it, but we'll no, 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 no. Um, Clemson, Miami, which was gross. Clemson, extremely disappointing. Um, I think up two scores in the fourth to end up losing in overtime against the Miami team playing without Tyler Van Dyke. And um, just like I said, just a, a, a dud from Clemson. And um, I felt like Miami was pretty much sunk if they lose this one. I mean, they already kind of are sunk in the ACC race and all the things like that, but um, it felt like this could have been a spiral start, and um, I, I, I'm afraid of where it goes from here. Um, you know, Miami, I think, kind of gets a chance to regroup, re-energize itself, and pick it back up. It's still just a struggle to watch Clemson. You know, like I said, it's yeah, gross. I, I watched mo- the better part of the second half of that game, and I guess I wanted to forget that second half so much that I thought Clemson had won the game. Yeah, you, you came in, you are like, wait, I thought Clemson didn't cover? I was like, no, they lost. <laughs> dude i i must have tried to suppress the heck out of that thing um you might have flipped over to this one utah usc uh i gave you utah i felt like they could probably win this game seven and a half felt like a gift um usc i said something just felt off uh on the offensive side of the ball utah's defense was legit and I felt like i think i said what a, a high school offense could probably score on a couple a couple touchdowns against usc's defense um, and so even even Barnes played really well. Um, so I, I I guess I'll just say I called this one. Some would say Barnes played well. Others would say Sione Vaki 
carried that offense. I uh, was a, slightly disappointed at having so many Jaquindon Jackson shares and not enough Sione Vaki because who knew that t- the safety turned running back was the guy you needed. Dude, he is filthy too. Like he he was running people over. He's just he's gonna be like he would be on angry runs every day. Yeah. Uh so overall the picks I gave you here on the pod went five and three. The overall is six and four, like I said. So not too bad. Looking ahead of this week, you mentioned it. Uh, Florida State is minus 20 at Wake Forest. I don't see any upset potential here to me. I think this is an easy one. Wake Forest is terrible. They're, terrible. they're just they're, – they can't throw the ball right now. Jamal Banks is their only hope at wide receiver. Morin isn't playing nearly as well as he has in the past. Losing Hartman has killed him. Griffith's not that good. He's been out and injured. Don't trust their defense whatsoever. It's just it's, – it's ugly for Wake. You know, they're averaging 3.52 per carry on the ground. That's ugly. 218 yards passing a game. They were well in the threes last year. They're just, they're not, they're a shell of their former selves. Yeah, I, uh, it's just not good. I just don't, I I don't, I don't, I don't see it. So I I, I think this is a Florida State cover and I'm happy to move on from there. Um. Next game is your Oklahoma Sooners minus 10 and a half at Kansas. It's no secret last week. I was not on Oklahoma's side, uh, but once again, it appears that uh, the bye week wasn't going to be enough for Jalen Daniels to come back. It's he is listed as doubtful. Uh, he, he ain't going to play. And I just, I just don't see how Oklahoma doesn't run in there and just roll over. him. I'm shocked to have become the, the boomer sooner guy. <laughs> but here we are. I've taken up the mantle of being being in charge of the the OU bandwagon. You know they're they're playing good football. They I know are. I know they played a tough matchup last week. I felt like UCF could be up for that game, considering it was Gabriel. Two by that does make sense. Well. But at the end of the day, Oklahoma wins the game. And I've seen some weird things. I remember the two years ago when they played at Kansas, Kansas jumped out to, I want to say it was like a 28-7 lead in the first quarter. It was a wild game. And it ended up being a shootout, and they came back and won. Oklahoma did. But Kansas is playing good football, too. I just don't think they can run the football, and this game's going to entirely rest on the shoulder of Jason Bean and he's played pretty good. He had a five touchdown game a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago. So he's interesting. It, it it's an interesting matchup. But I, I think so. I think if the line was maybe a, a sixteen and a half, I, I'd be more inclined to go OU or, or go Kansas. Ten and a half, I feel like Oklahoma can win by two scores fairly easily. I think thirteen and a half would be interesting. This is a nice little teaser. It's a you nice know, spot. Yeah. yeah, it's the only noon game I think that really interests me. If you're, you know, if Florida State runs away with it, this is the one I'd flip my TV over with. Uh, the three o'clock, the three thirty slate is is where all the fun's at. The big headliner that's got College Game Day is is, and I assume whatever Fox's big noon whatever. Yep. Um, it's number eight Oregon minus seven and a half at Utah. We just talked about the Utes uh, having beaten. USC last week they beat UCLA at home earlier this year another ranked team um meanwhile Oregon continues to what I believe to be the best team in the Pac-12 they probably should have beaten Washington a couple of bad decisions and a missed field goal there end up costing them um I seven and a half is a number that I like I feel like if it's six and a half I'm probably going Oregon I'm taking seven and a half in Utah because I love this defense. I really like Whittingham. It just feels like one of those games that's going to be close again. It's down to six and a half now. So it's moving, but I would side with Utah, even at six and a half. I just, it's Utah. They're at home. It's Kyle Whittingham. He could have a punter playing safety. He could have a safety playing at quarterback. Or well, what was back. his line the other day? We've got a pig farmer at quarterback, and we're happy with that. Yeah, exactly. So the pig farmers out there. I mean, I, I, I yeah, I'm always going to ride with Utah, especially at home. Yeah. So I, I like I said, I do that. I put this article together in the picks on normally Monday or Tuesday. So 
you said the line has slid down to six and a half. I'm not terribly surprised. Seven and a half felt like the perfect spot to grab Utah. I think they may lose by a field goal or a touchdown, but I'm happy to have the seven and a half on my side as opposed to the six and a half. Um, this is gross, and it goes in right in the category I talked about last week. Uh, Georgia, Florida, the large world's largest outdoor cocktail party or whatever it is. Um, I'm on Florida. I, I, I don't like it. I think Georgia's the better team. I'm just I'm expecting some kind of grossness out of Carson Beck without Bowers for the first game, even through the bye. Um, I mean, if if I was picking a DFS person out of this, I'd probably go rah rah, but I don't know what his number is. No, no, no. I've got a few. Oh, you've theories got some on coming this game. up. Okay. No, not necessarily. I actually didn't write anybody up for this game, but I do have a few theories in this game because I do like some guys uh, for Florida. There is some interesting guys. I I will never play Graham Mertz. No. You know, I see that you have noted that he's a founder rhythm. Well, Serge, the rhythm is throw the guy in the flat and let him run with the ball. No, but yeah, that's a rhythm. No, the rhythm is play South Carolina. Well, that's true. Yeah. That's the rhythm. So no, but point being is I put a they do have some. There's some fun. There's some fun plays on that team. Not necessarily on on DK, uh, but on Fanduel. There's some. There's some cheap boys um, that you can play. Specifically, like Eugene Wilson. I like Eugene Wilson, the number two wide receiver. He's played pretty good ball lately um, since he's taken over that role. And Oscar Delp will be playing in the Brock Bowers position, but I don't think he's going to have the Brock Bowers role. I do not trust Carson Beck either. Although, sneakily, also FanDuel play, Lad McConkey is coming back. He's playing more snaps now. It's 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 McConkey time. So I think you're going to see some... Uh, that's that's kind of where I think you're going to start seeing him take over with uh, Rosemi Jack Saint out there on the outside. All name team on that guy too. I keep I was saying. I was Rose about to Me. ask you if you made that up. Nope, nope. Rosemi Jack Saint is the uh, that's that's his last name. That's the best part. I thought the whole thing was his last. Is the whole thing his last name? Yeah, Rosemi Jack Saint is his last name. Okay. I don't know what his first name is. I just know his last name. It's I hope so it's long. like Kevin. It's so long, I didn't bother to learn his first name. I hope it's just like Chris. Like, that's it. That's all I'm hoping for. Uh, oh, the line is 14 idea. and a half if I didn't say it. I do think Georgia's running back room is healthier. Uh, Milton back, right, with Edwards. Marcus is his first name. Oh, there you go. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'll go 14. Florida 14 and a half rivalry game, those situations, and take it to 14. Uh, Duke at... Louisville Duke is a four and a half point dog here. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's it's basically the Riley Leonard show once again. The will he won't he? I imagine is is going to be a large part of this. But I do want to touch on first uh, some injuries on the uh, Louisville side of the bar side of the ball. Uh, Jamari Thrash, their big play receiver, has got a wrist injury. Uh, it seems like he'll be fine and 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 will likely play. Uh, the more important one is probably Jawar. Jordan, the running back, uh, he's got a hamstring that seems like it's going to be a bit more of a problem. Um, I like Louisville a lot with both of them. Um, and the assumption Jordan doesn't play, um, I still think Louisville will find success running the ball, um, but maybe not as explosive as you may need to to do it efficiently against Louisville or against Duke and run away from them. Um, so I, I, Duke seems to have this special power that I don't think they're going to get blown out. There, you, I don't think so either. I believe that they will see. I, I don't think Jordan plays because of the hamstring, and he's an explosive player. That's going to be a hindrance. I don't think explosive run plays are typically on the cards against this Duke defense. So they're going to have uh, former Wisconsin transfer Isaac Guarendo as the probably in the bulk running back and getting the most carries. He has a history being Braylon Allen's number two, and he's a four yards in a cloud of dust type of guy. He's not explosive, but he'll get you what's there. More of a Damian Harris uh, rather than an explosive running back. So he's just going to get you what's what's available and he'll get you the yardage. Now, if I was to tell you, because I know we all think Duke's defense is good, 
<laughs> if I was to tell you who has the better run defense statistically, who would you say? In this well, game? obviously, I, I know the way you're setting up the question, I should answer Louisville, but I'm going to say it's Duke. It is not Duke. Duke what? Is give, Duke is giving up four yards a carry on the season. Louisville, three yards a carry. 3.09 to 4.06. So a little yard less a carry on the season. Same amount of touchdowns, basically. Just one touchdown difference, six and seven. So I, I would lean that they might be able to run the ball, but Louisville's more of an air raid team anyway, to some extent. So that's where Duke excels. That's where it's going to be interesting with Thrash. I've just seen too many guys in this Brahms system be able to dominate good defenses i.e. let's remember what Rondale Moore did at Purdue against that vaunted Ohio State defense a few a couple years back. I, uh, I, I to me, I, I feel like it's again going to matter what Riley Leonard does. Um, I, I'm just going to end up going with Duke and, and trusting this team to keep this thing close. I think it'll be a close game. I just, it's one of those situations where I don't trust. I trust Louisville at home and Braum in these type of situations to make enough plays, especially with Thrash. That's fair. I don't. I don't hate it, and I think Thrash being as explosive as he is may present more problems than I think even a Keon Coleman. I mean, they were able to key on key on Keon last week. Um, you know, I mean, you could try the same with Thrash this week. They basically said they basically took Keon away. Keon had I think two catches, and one of them was in triple coverage, snuck in between them, caught between his legs. So I mean, it's not exactly a uh, a situation where Duke is incapable of it. But Thrash is the type of guy that doesn't need a ton of space to just take off through everyone. Keon is a guy who's been taken away in a couple games this year, though. Yeah, he has. So I think it's because Florida State also make somehow always makes itself have the hardest throws possible to all of their receivers. Yeah, yeah. It's they, always they far boundary throws. It's all. It's it's very rarely over. Although they've used Jaheim more, like you mentioned. So yeah, Jaheim has been catching a lot of crossing and in breaking routes. Uh, the next game, BYU plus seventeen and a half at Texas. Uh, normally, I wouldn't have even included this game for starters. It's another three thirty game. In case the other three three thirty games I gave you weren't interesting enough. Um, but it felt like this was going to be the Arch Manning era in Texas with Quinn Ewers having his injury. Uh, but it looks like it's going to be Malik Murphy instead. Um, Texas was kind of in a dogfight last week against Houston, but uh, snuck out of it with some with some bad officiating luck, I think. Uh, I'm expecting, even if Brooks runs really well, which I imagine he will, uh, BYU is kind of scrappy. It's just, I don't think they're going to just get rolled over, especially if Texas with a backup quarterback has the clunkiness or tries to play both of them just to appease Arch Manning. I don't think, I I don't think we're going to see Arch in this game. I don't think so either, but I, I think it's going to be clunky. I would say Jonathan, you're going to see a lot of Jonathan Brooks and a healthy healthy amount of CJ Baxter in this game. I think Murphy might be capable. I, I want to see this. I, I actually am interested by it. I find Texas's defense is good enough that Keaton Slovis, I'm no, thank you. It's just there. I don't know. BYU looked competent somewhat against Texas tech last week, but n- not really. Yeah, but I mean, we both expected Texas to run right through Houston, and yeah, Houston looks pretty good. Job, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's one of those situations though where I like uh, every time I like a guy against Houston. Houston plays good defense. Yeah, Yeah, they find Holgerson finds a way to play some defense. So I don't know. I I, I'm just not a BYU fan. Their roster is pretty pretty bad. I'll save you the trouble. The next game, Colorado plus 17 and a half at UCLA. I have no interest in Dion again. I'm going UCLA because uh, Colorado don't have the horses for that. And I think Chip Kelly is just going to run it a thousand times. 
I do not care who the quarterback is in that game for for UCLA. More, they benched the freshman last week after playing probably the three toughest opponent uh, defenses they'll have to play in the entire season. That was odd. They bring in Ethan Garbers out of nowhere. Talk about free money at the Stone Men of forty five hundred on DK last Saturday night. There was people didn't even play that. Don't know how he ended up dominating that game. And <laughs> then uh, I think Colin Schley is supposed to be back. And the beautiful blonde locks of Carson Steele are going to be running all over Colorado this week. Yeah, I, I, this one is uh, UCLA just runs away with it. I, I don't care. I don't care what what changes Dion makes out of the bye week. They they're just not big enough. It's just it's the same reason we talked about this earlier in the year when they played Colorado State and the other team. They're just they do not have enough big bodies to handle a game like this. And I, I don't want to waste many more time dancing around it uh the last game i've got here one more pack 12 after dark this one is uh 10 30 eastern start oregon minus three and a oregon state i'm sorry minus three and a half at arizona um i think it's kind of a tricky spot i'm taking oregon state minus three and a half but uh, a great game this could be a lot of fun it's a really fun game i love a little pack 12 after dark we got a hawaii game this week too Oh, of course we do. Yeah, I saw that, but it wasn't on TV. I was gonna add it as this game in this in this slot, but it wasn't on it wasn't on television. It's on like the S Pack or whatever it is. I don't remember I don't know what it is. It's some kind of Hawaiian channel that I don't nobody gets, but it's yeah. kind of like the Pac-12 network, you know. Yeah, well that's true. Uh so top to bottom, real quick, Florida State minus 20 and a half, Oklahoma minus 10 and a half, uh Utah plus seven and a half, Florida plus 14 and a half. Gross. Duke plus four and a half. That one feels even grosser now that I talked about. BYU plus 17 and a half, UCLA minus 17 and a half, Oregon State minus three and a half. So now we turn our attention to DFS, the Saturday slate. Uh, again, we do the main slate, the noon starts, the, it's I think noon and 3.30 uh, Eastern. So it's the main slate. You kind of get both windows. And like we mentioned, there's a lot of games in that 3.30 slate that uh, people will be interested in. But you got me two quarterbacks here who are not playing in any of the games I just mentioned. No, no, we're we're trying to find a little fun stuff. I've been looking for a little bit of rushing upside, and I'm trying to start I'm re going back to the basics here. So Garrett Green's been playing good ball, plays for West Virginia, eighty one hundred, getting UCF playing at in Orlando. I think the weather's supposed to be good. I looked up the weather just to make sure they got a twenty six point team total. They're an underdog, which means they're going to need to play a little bit more towards the quarterback position. West Virginia is a running football team. They like to ground and pound. The matchup is very good. It is probably the worst run defense on the entire slate in UCF at 4.81 yards a carry and 16 touchdowns. So the matchups there, that would lend you to want to play C.J. Donaldson. Now, the difference is Green has been carrying the team with his legs with Donaldson. He accounts for about half of the yardage, 117 on the ground last week. That vaunted Penn State defense we talked about, he had ran for 71 yards on them. I was actually very impressed with that. That was one of the bigger things. Green over the last two weeks has 32 and 44 uh, fantasy points, and I think it – sets up well for for him to succeed in this game i think Plumley is also a good play but like i said i worry about his rushing upside considering the negative rushing yardage last week okay i uh i i know he had that good game against penn state like you mentioned um west virginia has been interesting they've been they've been good and they might be the third best pick 12 team Oklahoma State probably at this point. Oklahoma State probably the, right now. Yeah. Granted, I I think Oklahoma State could easily lose this week. They play Cincinnati. I feel like we've said that every week about Oklahoma State. Oklahoma and, State, man. And then Ollie just, Gordon runs for eight hundred yards, and we're like, well, what happened? Uh, let's talk about bad memories last yeah. week. I was doing really well until Ollie Gordon. We had like two hundred fourth quarter rushing yards, but uh, you take us West Coast for your next quarterback. Yeah, a guy I've never heard of. Well, I hadn't heard of until a couple weeks ago because he had never played before and he's a freshman. Well, Fernan- that'll be why. I'll give Fernando you Mendoza of California, 5,800. I get a $5,800 quarterback playing against USC. I'm I'm going to play that. 
I know that last year I played the quarterback for Cal against USC as well. They tend to put up numbers against USC. So USC is going to be interesting. They're, they're a fun time on, uh, on defense to get to play against. They give up 245 yards a game through the air, 20 touchdowns on the year, which is a lot so far this season. That is a, five more than any other team on this slate. Cal's got a 28-point team total. Wow. I think you could see Mendoza. I was shocked. I was That's shocked a big to see that. I was going to say, I watched him play Auburn this year, and I thought it might have been the most boring football game I've ever seen. I was I was in utter dismay that, that, was, <laughs> that they had that high of a team total. Cal hung 41 or 35 on USC last year. And it was 21 in the fourth quarter, but they hung them down there. So there was a lot of touchdowns to get put on the board. One, two, three, three passing touchdowns last year for Jack Plummer, who's now Louisville's quarterback. So that gives us some upside and gives us some of an idea of what we're looking for. He had two horrible matchups to start his career. They threw him in the blender having to face Oregon State and at Utah. He came out and played fairly well, 15 points against Utah. He had over 20 against Oregon State. I think we can build on that, considering that's two much better defenses. And I think he'll have 40-plus pass attempts. And he's had a, shown a little bit of rushing capability, having gone for 40 yards in one of the games. So I think we can get somewhere here. I think this is an interesting spot. We're going to see his best. I certainly went straight to my app and started pulling him up to start putting him in a lineup. But before I continue down that path, uh, we switch over to running back. I was talking to you before this about Plumley, and you've got his backfield bait. This is why I didn't put Plumley in here, because I want to play the running back more. R.J. Harvey, UCF, 6,200. So he's getting a ton of carries. So between 16 and 22 carries per game, he's the leading running back on a run-powered team. He's getting over 100 yards every game. It feels like this game has that shootout potential. It has a little bit of shootout potential. We mentioned how West Virginia is a dog. That's going to lead to UCF trying to run the football more. We also talked about how good Oklahoma's run defense is. I've given up 3.35 yards a carry and two touchdowns. Well, Harvey had over a hundred and a tutty last week. And if we needed any more reminder, West Virginia last week played Ollie Gordon. Ollie Gordon had 29 carries for 282 yards and four touchdowns. It's the last I ever want to speak of that because it went horribly <laughs> bad for me. It reminded me of Samaje P. Ryan playing against West Virginia in 405 touchdowns. But there you go. Ollie Gordon, we're just going to R.J. Harvey. Play the man. Okay. Uh, I don't blame you there. And and so then we move over to uh, Penn State's Ollie Gordon. Yeah. I'm I just going to keep bringing up Ollie Gordon's name. Please stop. Uh, <laughs> but Nick Singleton. So this, this game's not going to be close. 38 I, I and a half. Not. It's 38.5. They have, so they have a 39-point team total for Penn State. Indiana's team total is six. So this game's not even going to be close. <laughs> it's in Happy Valley. It's not going to go well. It's not going to be a very happy day for Indiana. You can X out any players on that roster completely. Six. Oh, six. Yeah, they're giving up. So that's this is the second worst run defense on the slate at 4.66 a carry and 14 touchdowns. Singleton hasn't had a great year to start the year. He's been good, but not his explosive self. His longest carry on the season is 20 yards. I think we're going to see a 50-plus yard touchdown in this game out of him, and he's going to clear 100 yards this week. I think we could see multiple 50-plus yard touchdowns this week. This feels like the week that Singleton breaks out, gives us north of 100, two touchdowns, and I think he gets a little bit more work after how terrible Catron Allen was last week. A couple other running backs that I've got that I was looking at here in the list. Um, first and foremost, what about a guy like C.J. Donaldson against 
you you prefer quarterback in that scenario and you're not going to play both or if you, you can flip you it came off of it would you go I'm perfectly back? happy if you flipped it and you went Plumley and Donaldson I'd be um, perfectly happy going the other way even I like then, Donaldson the worry is, is that Donaldson's not explosive he's he's ex- he's too expensive I would say com- compared to his explosiveness right you're not getting that explosive capability so like Vaki this week, tough matchup against Oregon. Vaki's 5K. So that's a nice little nice little differential there. Gorendo, 4,800. At, uh, we mentioned him for Louisville. If Jawar Jordan's out, which we think he will be. Uh, CJ Baxter could be, could be a fun guy if we want to try to fade Jonathan Brooks. Jonathan Brooks, also a great play. I'm, I'm personally going to be off of Bucky this week. I just think the matchup's too difficult. It's more uh, than I want to play, at least. The next guy I was going to ask you about to me is uh, we're we're going to get there in a second, so I'm just going to shut up and move on. Uh, moving on to wide receiver, we already talked about him a bunch. Jamari Thrash. I'm riding Jamari Thrash. I mean, he's he's so good. Like he's has a touchdown in all but two games this year, so he has six touchdowns in seven games. And oh, I'm sorry, seven if you count his rushing touchdown. <laughs> and he, this is a tightly contested game, so you should see eight to nine catches from him. A uh, hundred yards should be in the cards. He's too cheap again this week. Sixty-one hundred for Jamari Thrash is too cheap. He should be seven K, no doubt about it. This is a Duke stingy defense. This is also a passing offense. So volume here ppr this is a point per reception website every catch is a point the man had 20 targets last week so you could talk about well duke has a great defense that's the difference between him and a key on coleman coleman is not going to get that kind of volume he's never going to be a 20 target guy he's going to have a lot of targets a good amount but he's more like a seven to ten guy he does not have anything that's going to give him 20 like this and and that's where the upside lies thrash had 20 targets he only had nine catches for 120 yards last week but that's still a really good game uh next one which is why i pushed off my other name before you have evan 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 stewart from texas a&m he's Fairly cheap too. He's fifty eight hundred. He's been living at seventy five hundred. I believe we played him early in the year. I think we played Miami. Yeah, we did. We played Stewart and Thrash early in the year at these similar prices, and they were both in the mid seven Ks a week later. This is where we're living. So Thrash is a extremely talented volume receiver. Stewart is a very talented wide receiver. We mentioned the ghost of Graham Mertz throwing up 423 yards and three touchdowns against the same South Carolina team. Now we get the ghost of Max Johnson around Halloween. Let's see what we can get out of there. You know, I know I've said it in here. We're not fans of Max Johnson. We're not fans. fans. We're not fans, but... (laughs) Are you going to cramp? What is this? It happens. Huh. Well, he got a cramp live on a podcast, which is not something you hear often. I'll read the rest of his note here. South Carolina gives up over 300 yards passing per game, and frankly, even Max Johnson can succeed in this situation, which means Stewart could have himself a day coming off an 11-target performance, his most since Johnson took over for the injured Wiegman. Uh, I mean, yeah, what I was going to mention before was I I was interested in Le'Veon Moss. It's a name we had looked at before against this terrible South Carolina defense. Uh, and then I looked down and I, like I said, I saw you had Evan Stewart at that number. And I was like, actually, I see our window into this offense. I normally like Aeneas Smith. Um, He's 5,300. It's too expensive for Smith for me. Well, I, you I saw Stewart that too. 500 away from him. Yeah. If I'm getting Stewart 500 more, I'm, I'm, I'm riding Stewart. He's just way too talented and he gets way, a lot more targets. But like we said, 304 yards a game is what South Carolina's given up through the air. This is a situation where even Max Johnson can succeed. And he honestly is in play at 6,500, as scary as it sounds. I was just thinking about taking a look at it. And I was like, I can't believe I'm really doing this. Um, for anyone who's, who's who's paid any attention to my Twitter account, which I assume is none of you, 
Um, I, I anytime I feel like Max Johnson comes up in some kind of interesting conversation, I tweet the picture when he was at LSU and was facing his own end zone and threw the ball backwards. I do have to quickly ask before we go any further. Are you okay? He's nodding. Okay, that's good. Yeah. You, you lost yeah. the ability to speak, but that's good to hear. Wow, what a catch from Chris Godwin. Uh, so I've built your lineup here. So I guess my only question before we move on, though, is you're more interested in making sure you – because Stewart is 1,700 fewer than he probably should be than a guy yeah. like Moss at 5,200 at a running back position. Yeah, it's all relative, but Moss is more like 12 to 15 carries. I think you can get a similar – output out of Guarendo if if Jordan sits Vaki is in that same range he's going to catch passes they really designed a lot of scheme last week to get Vaki on linebackers which was so impressive they were just getting him out of the back he was their leading receiver last week and it was just all out of the backfield he come in he's going to get 12 to 15 opportunities I think that's the the most impressive part I you know my first look build had all the guys we mentioned and also included Jonathan Brooks in that juicy matchup against BYU. And, but that left me with 4,200 at a wide receiver spot. And I ended up jumping down and correlating with uh, Trey Knox, the tight end from South Carolina. It's not a great matchup, but I got to think South Carolina is going to have to chuck it a bunch and all of their starting wide receivers are hurt. They're an interesting team i i'm still debating you can go to any of three guys to me on that south carolina roster they already uh knocked out declared out uh, uh, marion brown the number two wide receiver considering antoine wells is been out and so he, i'm not even counting him in the the ranking of that wide receiver core leggett is still very questionable who has been operating as the one Omega Blake would slide into that spot. He's 3,800. And then Nick Harbor is a freshman tight end. They say he's a freak athlete. He's very Kyle Pitts-like, they said. That's kind of the comp that I've been seeing. Now, if you really wanted to go simple, you can just plug in Jaheim Bell into that roster that I built with that same core that we've talked about in, in the article. And Jonathan Brooks, who's probably the best running back on the slate. And then you can plug in Jaheim Bell and you're locked in. It's very, very easy to do that. I The only reason I didn't do that, which I probably would as a variant of this, I think Bell's the safest if Johnny Wilson was ruled out. I think Wilson's still going to be limited, but if he's limited, he's still getting targets. And with that game being a blowout, how much does Florida State really need to throw the ball? Yeah, I can see that. The, the one name I was also eyeing on here, and I'm curious your thoughts, because we kind of talked about this a bit, you and I, separately last week in watching the games and texting, was this K-State backfield. Uh, I know we really liked Houston getting run on last week. Uh, the pricing here is interesting because DJ Giddens, who had only nine touches last week, or he had 11 touches, I guess, uh, but he had two monster touchdowns, one 61-yarder and then one 30-yard rushing touchdown. Uh, on those 11 touches, he produced 160 yards and two scores. But they have the the guy who's getting more of the touches in Treshawn Ward, 17 carries last week, plus three receptions down at 5,800. Uh, anything in Treshawn Ward in your player pool this week? No, I, I'm trying to – I want to play Kansas State so bad. There's a 38-and-a-half-point team total. Yeah, I figured it was going to be high. They run the crap out of the football at 5.6 to a carry and 20 touchdowns. And really, the pass defense for Houston's terrible, giving up 260 a game. I can't trust any of it. Their whole offense is a committee. A week before last... The the backup freshman quarterback who looks like Trevor Lawrence but runs like a gazelle out there, he had 90 yards rushing and five touchdowns. So they split. Like, Will Howard had a good game last week, and the other kid had multiple touchdowns too. Yeah. Ward and Giddens, they split work evenly too. It's just too hard to predict. I think if you got it right, like if you told me – there is no freshman quarterback. Will Howard's going in my lineup 100% because he can run the football. Uh, if you told me there was no Treshawn Ward, I'll play Giddens. If you told me there was no Giddens, I'd play Ward. I don't know who's better between the two of them. 
So I'm going to stay away. And I don't trust that coaching staff at all. I think Ben Sennett, the all-world tight end, is going to be out this week. So I think you're looking at maybe Phillip Brooks. But those guys have also gotten pricey. So they're priced up in great situation, but extremely difficult to predict. And you could easily just go wrong. If you could predict it right, then then great. Go for it. But it, somebody's going to be a great play. Now, you, you'd need to run so many lineups in order to get it right. You would need to just have pieces of the entire team, basically. You need to have parts of both quarterbacks and parts of both running backs. I think I'm just going to throw a ward dart in a lineup out of there. Um, the one, one other name I'm looking at here in receiver range around the 6,000 mark, because uh, I feel like that's where we're mostly going to end up. Um one name that stands out, I don't know what to do with it, is is Tyler Morin. Taylor Morin in this FSU no. Wake Forest game. Um, I get it. I hear you. Um, he's He's had a bunch of targets and receptions in the game that the quarterback has played. Here's he's available this week. He's only 5,900 and maybe 10 targets. I don't think that's terrible. Other than that, you have Ladd McConkey right there. You have Nick Anderson who had a big game for OU last week right there. I think McCon- um, McConkey's more in play on FanDuel because on FanDuel, McConkey's 5,600. I got him at 5,800 here. That's on DK. Well, the pricing, obviously, uh, the, the 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 salary and the roster construction is different. Yeah, so you have one less position and uh, uh, more salary on, on FanDuel. It's okay. 50, It's 60,000 on FanDuel with a le- one less position. So it's ten thousand dollars more with a less one less position, and he's cheaper on FanDuel than he is on DK. Okay, so I'm building that lineup you mentioned. I'm putting in Gene Bell, yeah. And then I come back, and it is Brooks. Yep. Yeah. I mean that's it's easy. That's that's, that's, that's the easy e- that's the easiest fitting lineup right now. That was just off of pure project off of the projections. Those are some of the highest projection point per dollar plays you can you can get right there. Uh, any other people stand out to you? Does does is Dylan Gabriel too expensive? Is Caleb Williams too expensive to try and chase this week? Any of that kind of stuff? Oh, I'll have a Caleb Williams team. Oh, one hundred percent. I think he bounces back this week in a big way. This is a situation where he could have five to five to six touchdowns, just taking out some frustration. Gabriel, I like. I I never know what to do with Jordan Travis. He ends up always being in my player pool, and I never want to play him because I feel like his his variance is so hard to predict. He either he could have five touchdowns, but I feel like you're always chasing him unless you played him every week. If you play him every week, it's fine. Or you, I either I think you either need to play him every week or fade him every week. You can't be in between because if you try to pick and choose, it's going to be impossible. Yeah, I think that makes sense. There are occasional games where I'll tell you, like, this feels like a Travis week for me. Uh, I did that. Uh, him and Keon, was it two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't Virginia Tech, because Virginia Tech, I went Benson, but the week after the game's escaping me, I went with it. Yeah, I mean, this is a situation where, like, like even if you look at all the stuff, you know, Gabriel and Travis, I, my player pool right now at quarterback is Williams, Travis, Gabriel, Green, Plumley, Johnson, and Mendoza. That's it. That's the only guys I'm considering. I mean, you could certainly do a lot worse than that as a collective because, I mean, they, they kind of capture each price range and you could just kind of – decide. it helps you kind of have some range in the other positions. Yeah, they I, go from 5,800 all the way to 10.5. I certainly don't think if you open yourself up to a guy like – um. Oh my God, the name just fell right on my head, tip of my tongue. Mendoza, that anything is off the table because you can do a Caleb and a Mendoza fairly easily. There's a lot of guys in that 5,800 where you end up per position. That's fine. You can dip a little lower. You can dip a little higher if you really want. Um, I I I don't find the pricing to dip particularly hard this week if you consider guys like a Mendoza or you consider Jaheim Bells or or like that. You have options that I think can build a good team. Yeah, and then you you get there are decent punt plays at wide receiver, like we said with the South Carolina guys. They're all four K and under, is you know, provided Leggett's out, which I think he will be. 
Ferguson, the Oregon tight end, is uh, also at 3,900. He's interesting. And he, he kind of looks like Opie, but it, you ought to look at his picture and then look at his actual self. He's 6'5", 240, you know, and he's got a leg, a full sleeve on a leg sleeve tat, you know, and he looks like Opie. It's great. One but, more time, these South Carolina guys are who? One more time, South Carolina guys are Knox Harbor, Tra- Trey Knox, Nick Harbor, and Omega Blake. Is that the order you'd look at? The, I mean, obviously, uh, Knox, it's, it's Knox is the safest. Knox is the safest. Blake's an actual wide receiver. Harbor's more of a move tight end. Dalton Kincaid. Okay, so some options there. The ones he's touting as his main guys: Garrett Green, West Virginia quarterback at eighty-one hundred. Fernando Mendoza, Cal quarterback, 5,800. At running back, it's USC's R.J. Harvey at 6,200. Nick Singleton, 6,300 out of Penn State. At receiver, Louisville's Jamari Thrash at 6,100. And Texas A&M's Evan Stewart at 5,800. Again, there's a lot of those guys that are typically higher. I mean, Stewart, Thrash, Singleton, Harvey, I'm kind of used to all four of them being higher. It's we don't, you know, it's DFS. It's not really like a buy low scenario, but it certainly feels like they're available for us at a lower price than we're used to. So uh, you don't get many buy lows in DFS because they're not season long entities, but uh, it's kind of like that. Yeah, this is it. I mean, they're all 7K guys that are sub, you know, 6,300 or less. Yeah. So you, you've got a window to play some, some interesting, some interesting guys all over the board there. Um I'm actually pretty excited for this DFS week. I, I feel like I can build some fun lineups with the blocks we've kind of got put together here. So um, good luck. Hopefully it works out for us. And next week we kind of get back into that. Dude, we actually cashed and smashed this tournament. And Brian won like three, four grand. And it was awesome kind of situation. But uh, I feel like we're really hopefully clicking. I think we got a fun week building up here. This looks like a really great slate of games. It's not a lot of Big Ten games. So that's probably why it looks good. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of like, well, this one third string running back's going to fall in the end zone twice and be the only touchdown in the entire game. So good luck with it. Yeah, no Iowa. Yeah, thank God. Thank you for no Iowa, no Rutgers, none of that. So we'll take it. Uh, appreciate y'all listening. Hopefully we get you some winners here, some fun stuff. Uh, next week, I, I think we get our first. We have our first college football playoff rankings too to talk about next week. So we'll certainly have some interesting stuff. And we'll, of course, See how that Heisman window probably shakes out a little bit more. I doubt much because not many people have big 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 games this week. So uh, we shall see. Yeah, it'll be fun to look at, and we'll keep we'll keep updating the Heisman Heisman watch here. Yeah, because the, the the they opened the window for us, and I feel like we got to keep an eye on it now. Uh, and I also just realized I'm wearing my K State Deuce Vaughn shirt, so go figure. I came up with the Trayshawn Ward idea now that I think about it. Oh, one of my favorites to play every year. We love you, Deuce. Until next week, see y'all.